Okay, and now for the sermon today, be brought to us by our Pastor Lawrence Gregory, entitled The Grace of God. Apostle Paul started the Corinthian church, laboring there for about a year and a half, and then about four or five years later, he wrote them a letter from Philippi, 1 Corinthians, and then about a year later wrote a second letter back to them. Because things had changed in the congregation. A lot of problems were arising, even challenging and uh, discounting his apostleship as the founder of the Corinthian church and he writes in 1 Corinthians the 15th chapter verse 10 but by the grace of God I am what I am and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain but I labored more abundantly than they all yet not I but the grace of God which was with me now the apostle Paul used the word grace more than any other Bible writer. In fact, in the Bible, the word grace occurs 166 times, and of those, 154 in the New Testament, the majority by the Apostle Paul. And of course, some other writers refer to it as well. Then there are about 30 other times that it's used as gracious, and graciously four times. So. The Apostle Paul, we could consider, would be the Apostle of Grace because he wrote so much about it and understood so much about it. And so we can learn from the Apostle Paul about grace. Now, I have four things today to cover, and I want to focus on these. Uh, what grace is, how we receive it, what grace does in our life, and then some incidental points about grace. Now, the first point is what grace is or what is grace? Now, the normal teaching that you and I have had in most of our Christian life over the years and beginning in our understanding is that grace is the unearned, unmerited pardon or forgiveness of sins. And that's true, but that's only a part of it. That's only a very small part of grace. Yes, it is true, it is freely given to us by God with qualifiers, but there is more to grace than just the typical teaching that it's unmerited pardon, forgiveness of sins. Usual teaching of grace is that it has uh, done away with the law of God or it's done away with the need for obedience, for works, or for good deeds. Or we might understand, well, we're all under grace, not under the law. And that in itself is a misquoting and a misapplication of God's word concerning grace. Now, some limit grace to the unmerited pardon or the forgiveness of sins, as I've said, and miss out on 
a great benefit of the power and force of grace in our Christian life. Some say and think, well, grace is a one-time reception and I've got grace the rest of my life no matter what I do because I'm saved, once saved, always saved, forever. Whatever, whatever I do, I'm under grace. I'm not under the law. Some might even think or say, well, the more we sin, the more grace abounds. And they take Paul's words explaining that in the book of Romans where he says, no, that's not the case. The more we sin, grace doesn't uh, abound more. That is contrary to the application and the understanding of what Paul was trying to say there. Now, what grace is. Grace is, in the Greek, we'll look at the Greek first, and then the Hebrew is very similar, but grace is the, this is from Strong's Concordance, the word Greek word is charis, and the number 5485, which is translated grace. It is graciousness of manner or act, especially, and this is especially, the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. Gratitude, acceptable, benefit, favor, gift, gracious, thankworthy, liberality, pleasure, joy. These are other translations of this word charis. In fact, we understand the basic uh, charis word that is uh, modified in the Greek for charisma as a gift. Charisma. We use that a lot. Even in the English, we use charisma, understanding that's the gift. So let's look at grace as the divine influence in the life and its reflection in the heart. How grace is expressed. Now, how do we, how do we receive grace? We'll just start off very basic. Now, I'm going to say this. It's uh, about uh, 2.30. And today I have a number of scriptures more than I usually use. So for time's sake, we're going to go over today because it's 2.30 already. And uh, I'm going to try to modify some of my comments and uh, just read some of the scriptures. But I think we'll get the point from what uh, I'm trying to convey today in something that I think will help us a great deal. Now, how do we receive grace? Let's go to uh, the book of Ephesians. And we'll go to the fourth chapter. Ephesians 4, verse 7. But unto every one of us, notice us, not just everyone, but unto us, is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So it's a gift that comes from Christ. It comes from God to us. This Christ in us, this divine influence in the life and its reflection out. So we're going to see more and more. Now let's go back to uh, chapter 1 of Ephesians and uh, verse 7 here also. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. It's God, it's Christ that has forgiven us, and it's they who have given us of their divine nature, 
when we have met the qualifications of it, repentance, uh, baptism, receiving his Holy Spirit, we've received the divine influence, so we have received grace or graciousness from God, from Christ. And uh, what it does in our life now, the force of that, we'll see uh, a little more clearly here. In uh, John, the first chapter, we see a verse that we're so familiar with. And we'll, we'll just drop down to, uh, oh, verse 14, 16, 17. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse uh, 16 and 17. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want to take time to explain because we do read in the Old Testament the word grace, the Hebrew word grace. And we read of grace. But it wasn't until Christ was glorified that we were able to receive his divine nature. Now, it says, the scriptures says that the Holy Spirit was in the prophets. It was in the apostles, in the prophets before. So the Holy Spirit could be in and upon them and influencing them and inspiring them, but not begetting them. There was no begettal. Jesus Christ was the first begotten from the dead. We then are begotten by receiving his Holy Spirit. They weren't begotten in the Old Testament. All those Old Testaments are saints are waiting in their graves for us to be completed and we'll be resurrected together. They'll receive God's Holy Spirit quickly at the time of their resurrection. That's the way... It seems about the only time that it could be accomplished because they weren't begotten in the Old Testament times. They had God's Holy Spirit with them and in them, but not in a begettal sense as we have received the Holy Spirit. In Zechariah, the 10th chapter of the Old Testament, the 12th chapter and verse uh, 10, Zechariah 12, 10, and I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. So a time prophesied when they would look upon the one who is going to give them grace, Jesus Christ, here. Uh, prophecy for and about Jesus Christ and all of that. I, I'll have to just leave some of that. Uh, back in James, back in the New Testament, James, the fourth chapter, and a um, couple, of, couple of references here in James. James 4, 5, and 6. Do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit that dwells in us lusts to envy? Now, I've searched, I don't know of a scripture that says this exactly. But the sense is that the spirit that's in us, the human spirit, lusts to envy. You go back to the very beginning, it says, God even said that 
Nothing would be restrained from man because in the imaginations of his heart was only evil continually. Jeremiah said, the heart of man is desperately wicked and who can know it? You can go into Proverbs and Job and throughout the scriptures and see that the human spirit, the carnality that is naturally a human being is envious. It lusts. But the Holy Spirit is given, but he gives more grace, whereby he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. And so in order to overcome the carnality of the human nature, we need the nature of God. We need the divine influence in our life and the power and the force that comes from Christ and the Father living in us. It's their inhabitants of us as human beings that brings grace to us. Now, 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. And be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud... And gives grace to the humble. How many times already? A couple of times we've seen that the humble folk. Those who have meekness and lowly. Who don't think so highly of themselves. But have a right estimate and a true estimate of their relationship with God. And their standard of righteousness before God. The humble. God gives more grace. So the more humble we are. The more grace we will have. As we humble ourselves before God. We accept his greatness and our littleness. The more humble we are, the greater is God and the less we are. And so that's, that's another theme and another part that we could uh, expound on. But we can see here that God gives his Holy Spirit that we might be able to overcome and have more grace. Now, I have a number of scriptures here in this part. What grace does in our life. In Galatians, the first chapter, six. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Verse 15, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. So it's grace of God that calls us out from the false contrary religions of this world and some of us were involved in that but we were coming up short of the righteousness of God because maybe we were going about to establish our own righteousness or following the righteousness uh, uh, decrees or standards that were set by some contrary to God contrary to his law contrary to his way of life and so it's the grace of Christ that has called us and told us to get away from that other gospel that foreign message that not true, untrue message. Uh, about a week ago, 
it was given to me in unsolicited booklets that were sent, $2.45 to send them. One of the booklets says, is God, is Jesus God? No. I threw it in the trash. I didn't read it. Didn't need to. Jesus was and is God. Don't need to read that trash. I thought about spending $2.45 to mail it back with a note. But I didn't do it because it was unsolicited. I talked to Richard a little bit about it because uh, it came to CGOM and he passed it on to me. And so I wanted to make sure that uh, I talked to somebody before I threw it in the trash. Because Jesus Christ has called us to his grace and by his grace, by his divine nature in our mind, he's changed our, something happened. We were going along, reading, studying, whatever, and we heard the word of God and we understood it and our mind was changed and there was something that opened in our mind that we could understand. We read the Bible, we understood it. And we knew that God was dealing with us personally and directly. And we understood. Yes, we had to study and search. And, and it's an ongoing thing for years of devout, intense study. But we know at something we were before and after. Something happened in our mind that we received. And we had a call. And we knew that we had to answer that call. That it was from God. Romans 3:24. I, I, I need to hurry on here. Maybe I can just uh, read some of these. Um, Romans 3:24 Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. So, another thing that grace does is it justifies us. Makes us right. Justification is being made right according to God's standard. We're justified. We're made right. We're excused. We're made right. Titus, the third chapter. Titus 3.17 No. Titus 3.7 There's no 17. That being justified by His grace again, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So we're justified by grace. Romans 11.5.6 Back to Romans 11.5.6 Even so, then at this present time also there is a remnant, that's a, a end, the end time part, 
according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then is it no more of works? Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then is it no more grace? Otherwise, work is no more work. So, it's grace that we're called. Not by works, by grace. It's God's decision. It's His determination. When and how and where and who. It's all up to Him. It's not up to us. None can come to God except we've drawn by the Spirit of God. And there are some that are searching, searching and seeking and walking in and, and vain. And are saying, yeah, Lord, I know the Lord and I'm doing all these things. And Jesus says, where are you? I didn't know you. I didn't call you. That's up to God. It's not for us to determine. And those are gray areas that we have to uh, consider from God's point of view. It's Him that calls us and that gives us and elects us, selects us or elects us by grace to receive His salvation. Back in Titus, the second chapter. Probably should have stayed here when we were here earlier. Verse 11, Titus 2.11. For by grace, for, for the grace of God that brings salvation. Grace brings salvation. That has appeared to all men. Now right here we need to stop in just a minute and let me help. Has salvation appeared to all men? No. There are people living since the days of Jesus in darkness and ignorance. They've never heard of Christ. They've never heard the Bible. Uh, they're in other countries. They've never believed. They've never heard. They don't know anything about salvation. God has never called them. So... It will help you if you have a, a Greek diaglot or a uh, interlinear Bible or you can maybe sometimes some other translations will help. But this is what it means. Uh, for the grace has appeared for all men. The Greek word, and I looked this up this morning before I came, is not the Greek word to, but it's the Greek word for. So sal the, the salvation has appeared ultimately for all men everyone ultimately will have an opportunity to be saved everyone some will reject it that's very clear teaching now there's something else that grace does teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present world and more looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. It goes on to explain about uh, who he is and that we should be zealous of good works. And so grace in our life, the divine influence, teaches us. So we have Christ saying, no, don't do it that way. No, you shouldn't do that. The, the, the little conscience that's pricked that says, uh-oh, you shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't do that. Sometimes we need to listen to that and then check and then examine with the scriptures and say, yeah, God is leading us and directing us by his spirit and bringing to our awareness yea and nay. It's okay. It's good. That's complimentary. No, you shouldn't do that. Warns us. Grace is a force and a power of Christ in us, helping us, bringing salvation for all mankind ultimately. 
2 Thessalonians, second chapter, verse 16. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which has loved us and has given us everlasting consolation and good hope through, through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Now, I didn't say this earlier, but one of the reasons I know that Jesus Christ is of divine nature is that he and the Father, and Paul uses this phrase, the grace from the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, imparts and gives us grace. So it's Jesus Christ living in us, that divine influence in our heart reflected in light. So we look like him, we, we take on his appearance righteously in commandment keeping and goodness and graciousness and the way he is. We, we try to look like him, not physically, but spiritually, as we take on his nature and his influence. And so, Jesus was God with us, Emmanuel, and he is God now. He was the God of the Old Testament. Don't let anyone ever try to tell you different, that he was a created being, or he was an angel, or he just, uh, you know, was... Uh, as one person taught many years ago that left the church of God, his teaching was that Jesus was the twin brother of Lucifer. I don't know where in the world he got that, but I rejected that and discarded that, but it stuck in my mind, how could anybody ever believe that and where did it ever come from? In his imaginations and vain reasoning. So if you read any of that, do what I do. Throw it in your file 13. Ephesians, the second chapter. You know, we went through this first message. We're saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works. So I'll just leave that and refer back to uh, the first message there. Uh, let's go to Hebrews. That Ephesians is a, a very very powerful prominent scripture and uh, one that we don't want to discount lightly but I'll just uh, defer to the first message uh, Hebrews 13.9 uh, be not carried about with different and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Be careful what we read. Be careful what we study. Be careful what we listen to. Be careful what we accept. If it's not from God, clearly... Lining up with his scriptures, reject it. It's no problem. Just might upset somebody or offend. But reject it. False teaching. It's good that the heart be established with the divine influence of God. With his gracious kindness, his love. 
2 Peter 3.18. We know that. You probably have that marked so much in your Bibles, referring, uh, grow, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory for now and forever. Amen. Last verse in 2 Peter. Grow in grace. How do we grow in grace? Well, we sin more. If grace comes because of more sin, then I can go out all week and sin, and then Sunday I can come in and grace. I'm okay. I'm excused. Is that grace? We can just... If we want to grow in grace, we've got to go out and sin. Boy, that's, that's the way to get a lot of grace. Is that what it says? Grow in grace. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 8. Moreover, brethren, verse 1. We do you to wit, or to know wit, of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. And um, we'll just carry on. How in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and in knowledge, and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. So we abound in grace. Acts 13.43 Now, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. So the emphasis here is to continue in the grace of God. Romans 5, 2. By whom also we have access by faith unto this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of glory. So by faith we have access to grace. By faith we're saved. Through grace we stand in grace. Romans 5, uh, 15 but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. We have to break into the, the context here. 
For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift, for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Whereby, or therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might, be, might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, that as sin, and here's where he explains that, that as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life, by Jesus Christ our Lord. So, even though there might be more sin, grace can reign and conquer that. But we don't get more grace by sinning more. But the more we sin, we need more grace, we need more forgiveness, we need more of God's nature, we need more of God's love, we need more of His righteousness, as we've seen, and all the things that we've established, to help us overcome. What shall we say then in chapter 6? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. He says no. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Okay, there's more on that. Uh, Romans uh, 12, 3 and 6. Romans 12, 3 and 6. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whereby, whether prophecy or goes into the gifts of the Spirit, the charisma, the charis, the charisma, the gift. And so we see... The, as what we call the gifts of God are by faith through grace, the caress, the gift, it's given to us. We can't just say, well, I, I want to have that. I'd like to, you know, that's real. You know, if I had the gift of healing, I could make a lot of money and have worldwide tours and knock people in the head and knock them on the floor and, and uh, get them up. But the gifts that we have come from God, it's his, his, his decision. The more humble we are and the more that we are meek and lowly before God, the maybe the more God can use us and give us some of those gifts, whatever they might be and whatever they uh, are, to use to his glory according to the gift of grace that's in, in us, whatever that is today. Hebrews, now... Uh, let's go here to a couple of um, warning scriptures. 
we don't like to think of these things, but um, they're here, so we want to uh, consider here in um, Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest, and he goes on to say, that there be carnal-minded among us. So we need to be warned. Hey, we got to stay deeply converted, deeply committed, overcoming, growing, learning, continuing, abiding in the grace of God because if we let it slip, if we backslide and, and lose out, we, we could miss out on a lot of blessings of God. And by the way, let me say this. I do believe in encouraging us to stir up the gift of God, to stir up the Spirit of God in us. Sometimes someone might backslide a little and depart and they go back into the world, so to speak, and uh, kind of give up struggling in a righteous way. They get tired. They grow weary in well-doing, the Bible says. You know, after many, many years, you mean, you mean i got to go another years of doing these things of righteousness and people get tired? And then when they come to their senses, if they come to their senses and God smites them or encourages them or draws them back, they don't need to be rebaptized all over again and go through all of that. One baptism. What they need is to stir up the gift of God, to rededicate them, their life. Repent. That's the key. Ongoing repentance and encouraging. So any who have stumbled, who have fallen, who have backslidden, who have dropped away from righteousness for a while, and you and I know, without being judgmental, you and I know there are ones that are like that, that have gone back and kind of drifted back. But what they need to do is repent and stir up the Spirit of God and, and renew that commitment that they had and walk again in righteousness. They don't need to redo and, and go back over again of uh, baptism and all of that again. But Jude, last verse on this thought here. Jude the fourth, uh, Jude the little book, brother of Jesus, just before the book of Revelation. It's a powerful, powerful book. We'll just read verse four. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to be careful. It is the history Paul battled it. He had to defend it. He had to write against it. And every one of just about of the, the Bible writers and thinking, I haven't uh, spent a lot of time researching this out, but so many of them warn the church about people who creep in, false teaching, and they'll get you over to the side and say, you know, let me tell you something. I got this. I had this revelation. Or let me give you, let me let you read this. Or let me tell you this. If it's contrary to God's word, 
says, I don't want to hear it. That's the best way. You can be friendly with a person and say, I'm not going to listen to it. I've done that all my Christian life. I've had to do that. I don't, I don't agree with what you say. Now, if I see that I'm wrong, I'll change it and accept it. But until then, I'm going to keep believing what God has showed me is His truth and His way. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with telling someone that comes in the congregation with a different and a strange doctrine, I'm not going to listen to that. No, go somewhere else. Take your truth and go get another church if you want, another congregation. Go find somebody that believes the way you do. But don't come here with that. Trying to destroy what we who are living in the grace of God are trying to do for Him and accomplish for Him. That's, that's all I want to say on that. Now, here's some additional points that I want us to consider here. And uh, we'll, take a, we'll take a few minutes here on these. Um, the Apostle Paul, in all 14 of his writings, except for the introduction in Hebrew, in his salutation and doxology of the greeting and the closing, he uses the word grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. You can go back and study and search that out in the beginning and the ending of all of his books of, of uh, writing. So Paul was very much an apostle of grace. He knew that it wasn't his work. It wasn't, as we explained that at the beginning there in Corinthians, it wasn't by his nature. It was by the nature of God, the divine influence in him that he was able to accomplish those things. And so we can learn a lot from the Apostle Paul. In fact, uh, even, you know, when uh, I think it was in the message last week, I, I think Dave Haver used this, or it might have been in the, in the uh, split sermon. We'll go there, but where Paul was struggling with his weakness and the thing that was afflicting him. And Jesus told him, he says, my grace is sufficient for your strength. It's sufficient for you. It's the weaknesses that we have. We gain the strength spiritually through the Spirit of God. 1 Peter 5, 10 and 12. I have just a few more verses here as we close. Let me get uh, 1 Peter 5. But, you know, it's, it's really hard to rush through and um, cut into a thought or a context, but today we understand uh, with constraints we're doing this. But the God, because every time I read a but, <laughs> I like to go back and see what was preceding it, because it sure clarifies a lot of times. So, but... We'll just break in here. The God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. 
By Silvanius, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose, I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein you stand. The true grace of God wherein we stand. That's wonderful. Are we in that true grace? Hebrews 4.16 Let us, therefore, come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We need grace because we need that force. We need that dynamic power. We need that divine influence of God when we're struggling with something. It's grace. It's God's nature. It's His help in us. It's His Spirit that helps us. That's what we're seeing. There's more, but let's go to the last verse of the Bible and close here today. Revelation 22 and 21. John says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. I hope in a few minutes that we've looked at a few scriptures. And I know you're very thankful today I didn't bring up all 166 references. (laughs) Because we'd probably be here till sundown. But I hope I've got my point across today. And I hope that we can have more of the divine nature of God in us as we surrender and as we humble ourselves before him, as we walk in righteousness, as we hold to his standard of goodness, as that influences in our life, reflecting outward, that others will see Christ in us. And sometimes Christ was strong and he was... He had anger and he had and he's coming with wrath and sometimes you know we have to stand up and say certain things very strongly. And sometimes we have to be very gracious and very kind and very uh, thankful. In fact, we use that word when we say give thanks at a meal. Would you turn grace? Would you say grace? And we use that because that's what it means. A lot, some of it means being gracious and being thankful to God. So hope we've uh, been able to be a little help today.